0: this morning from 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 beginning in verse 14 for the love of Christ urges us on because we are convinced that one has died for all therefore all have died and he died for all so that those who live might live no longer for themselves but for him who died and was raised for them from now on therefore we regard no one from a human point of view even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view we know him no longer in that way so if anyone is in Christ there is a new creation everything old has passed away see everything has become new this is the word of god for the people of god, be to god. paul makes this startling claim and verse 17 that last verse we read so if anyone anyone is in Christ there's a new creation everything old has passed away see everything has become new anyone in Christ can be recreated through God's love Paul says and yet he shares this in the middle of a discussion about the death of Christ the literal death of Christ and our spiritual death which he claims through that experience we can be transformed or made a new creation be made anew in Christ Paul sees the death of Christ as the revelation of God's love alive in Christ, which is now being offered to us, being offered to each of us. He starts, verse 14, where we started this morning, for the love of Christ urges us on. He starts with this positive proclamation that the love of Christ is with us and encouraging us. And certainly I prefer to talk and preach and think about the love of Christ, the love of God, the abundant life that we are offered through God's love. And yet, just as Paul does in this reading this morning, Christian writings and the Christian story always take us back to suffering and death as a part of the universal human experience. Yet for Christians, we are told, even when we are having difficult days, even when we're having terrible experiences in life or in a difficult phase of life, We are told God is with us, but not only with us, but at work to redeem those experiences and to bring us through so that they become more than just difficult days or loss or evil, but they become redeemed in the experience of our life in the midst of God's life. Lots of people through the ages have tried to describe this spiritual path, one way many have described this human spiritual journey is to say it's a fourfold path. They say it begins with recognizing God at work in creation, bringing goodness and offering blessings and offering all we need for life and health and abundance. But then it moves to a second observation death and suffering are a place where we can recognize God more deeply. That even in our difficult days, the Christian testimony is we can connect with God. And sometimes, unexpectedly, poignantly, in those difficult, terrible days, often are when we have our deepest connection with God, we connect with God in a new way. Often it's those experiences that strip us of the illusion that we're in control and we turn to God. It's a calm and human experience to go through difficult experiences, to have tough days, terrible days, dark days. Certainly some of those are interior, some are externally. We've been through some of those in our country these last several days and even here in our city. The question is can our faith, can our theological understanding continue to help us trust in God? even in difficult experiences the fourfold path then says out of experiencing the positives and the negatives of life comes the energy for creativity and new life and opens the door for our transformation the fourth step in the spiritual journey follows that and it is what paul describes this morning it is indeed being transformed To see God in all of our life experiences or at least to be looking for where God is at work or how God is leading us in those moments. Paul describes these four phases or this fourfold path in the reading this morning. I want to show it to you in verse 14 as he starts for the love of Christ urges us on. That's the positive, but you see how quickly he turns in the next part of that verse to the second part of the fourfold path because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Christ's literal death, our spiritual death, important in the spiritual journey, Paul is saying. But then in the next verse, he begins to look at what, what this experience does for us. Verse 15, and he, Christ, died for all, So that those who live, that would be us, those who live, might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. This is the breakthrough in the spiritual journey where we begin to shift from, as Paul described it earlier in this series, from the seen to the unseen, that we begin to make a change a shift in our perspective Rather than focusing only on the temporal and the material, we begin to see the eternal and the spiritual, and it changes the way we view the world and how we walk through life. Paul says that is a breakthrough. And then this transformation of which he speaks, he describes in verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew christ from a human point of view we know him no longer in that way that beginning to see as god sees transforms us oh it transforms how we see other people because we're seeing them with the eyes of faith or the eyes of god with the eyes of love if you will But Paul says, beginning to see as God sees changes who we are. And that love we've experienced from God through Christ begins to transform all of our life. We begin to see life differently. We begin to see deeper. We begin to see beyond the surface. We begin to see that all of God's children are beloved. It's a transformation, Paul says we not only see others in a new way but we are transformed to love others as God loves them as God loves you and me yesterday there were 900 people here in the sanctuary about half of them white about half of them black they had come here because they were expecting thousands of people to turn out for the celebration of life service for Dr. Preston Phillips, who had been the target of the shooting at the Natalie Building 10 days earlier. Several people spoke. We learned of his life, how he cared and loved for individuals in his practice and in his everyday life. However, a decade ago, he began to go to Africa to see people and do surgery, How he began to build clinics and hospitals there one of the African pastors had come to speak of his great admiration for Dr. Phillips then the eulogist stood up to speak and what he said of Dr. Phillips was that he was a servant that he was a servant leader and that he was a man marked by humility And it was interesting, his children also spoke, and when his son spoke, he talked about how he saw his father, as he was growing up, treat everyone as a child of God. He used the word equality, that he treated everyone equally. He offered a sense of equality and dignity to all whom he encountered. Dr. Roberta Bondi speaks of the ancient Christians in her studies and books. She writes about what made them Christian and how they understood the faith. She too talks about this characteristic of humility as a keystone of our understanding and of our transformation. I want to read you just a few sentences from what she has written. She says, It was humility that made these ancient Christians able, with the help of God's grace, to take on the enormous and dangerous task of the transformation of the old creation into the new. But what was humility, she asked? What was this life-transforming attitude of heart that made this possible? Most basically, she says, it was the living out of the conviction That all human beings, every single person, all people, are beloved creatures of God. Are beloved creatures of God. Sometimes this transformation of our lives from being focused only on the solo self and my ego and my way and the way I want to do life to shift to seeing life as God sees it and loving others as God loves them. Sometimes that's very dramatic. There's a pivot point. There's a moment in life and a person changes. Other times it's a much gradual, more gradual experience. But we heard one of these dramatic life changes story when our criminal justice and mercy Ministry was reporting an annual conference. Most of annual conferences, one report after another. But while the Cjam folks were there, they asked a woman to come who had recently been through the program. She began to tell her story of how she was put into foster care as a young child and moved from home to home and began to share how painful and disorienting that was and how she began to sort of self-medicate with drugs And how the drugs led to addiction, and how the addiction led to crime, and how the crime led her to prison. And she said life was full of disasters one after another, but she said finally I had served my time. I was about ready to leave prison. I didn't know what I was going to do. And then she said I met the United Methodist. And they said there is a program that she could be a part of and a place where she could live and people would support them. And she said, I signed up for that. And the love and the kindness and the support I experienced during that time, she said, you wouldn't believe it, but the Exodus house saved my life. And then she went on to tell what was happening in her life now. Now that she's come out of the prison system and been through the Exodus house program, she says, I'm sober I'm married. I'm happily married. And I'm working for Catholic charities so I can give back and serve others. It was a powerful story to hear how United Methodists, the state of Oklahoma, come together to provide that kind of pathway for a person to be made new. Paul says So if anyone is in Christ, There is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Paul's own story is dramatic as well. You may remember he was known as Saul before he became Paul. I want to read you a few verses out of the book of Acts chapter 9 where it tells his story. It says, Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound up back to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, who are you, Lord, or who are you, sir? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. It was a dramatic pivot point in Paul's life. His name changes. His whole perspective changes. He moves from one who's persecuting those who are followers of Christ to becoming the chief proclaimer. Of those who are followers of Christ. He's the one who proclaims throughout the Mediterranean area and writes all these letters we have as Christian scripture of this great good news of God's love able to change your life and make you new. It was Paul's own experience, and it was a dramatic one. Some of us have that kind of experience of conversion and transformation. But actually, for most people I know, it's been a much more gradual, almost normal experience. That was my experience. I was born into the church. My parents were every Sunday goers. They had me baptized as an infant. My grandparents were there. My siblings were there. People from my small town were there every Sunday, loving me and caring for me, providing vacation Bible school and confirmation and sending me to summer camp. By the time I was a teenager, I had pastors who began to ask if I might serve as a liturgist in the service at my little home church, read a psalm, write a prayer, read the liturgy. I had people begin saying to me, we think you have gifts for ministry. We think you ought to think about going into the ministry. By the time I was a Freshman in college at the University of Oklahoma, I was thinking seriously about it either law or ministry I finally through much prayer and searching decided God had best gifted me to be a minister of the church I went back to my home church and told my pastor. I think God's calling me into the ministry and he began to walk along beside me my local church affirmed me In terms of this decision of going into ministry. I went on to seminary, studied theology. Of course, I'd been reading scripture and theology since I was little. When I was in high school, developing my own devotional time of reading theologians. And taking notes and praying about it. And doing all I could, striving to follow Christ and all that I could say and do. And Then came out into ministry. But, you know, ministers aren't finished just because we finished seminary. We're still growing in grace. We're still growing in faith. There have been so many different moments of insight and growth in my own life. It wasn't a single thing. It was a whole multiplicity of ways that I experienced God's love. For so many of us, that's the way it is. For many of us, this becoming new, this being made a new creation, as Paul says, is a continuous process in relationship with God through Christ. Dr. Bondy shares the story of a great third century theologian, Origen, who was one of the early theologians of the church. One of the metaphors he uses for this human-divine interaction is a sailing ship. He says it's like we're all the captain of our own ship. And throughout our lives, we have to be the ones who navigate the way. We have to pay attention. We need some skills and energies focused on making sure we get to where we're going. For if we don't, he says, the oceans are dangerous and disaster can strike. And you can end up shipwrecked really easily. But he said, you know, without the wind... The ship's going nowhere. And he says, God is like the billows of the wind blowing, filling your sails and moving you on into the future. Origen says, as he thinks about it, when he's trying to compare the role of the captain and of the wind, he says, you know, it seems like the captain plays a very small role and the mighty wind makes all the difference course he's saying the wind is like the spirit of god animating and energizing our lives and moving us forward it's the wind the spirit that makes us new that makes us a new creation would you pray with me make us new O god make us new empower us to let our old self disconnected from you die away show us the many ways each of us cling to the solo self to my ego my false desires my way of doing life may the wind of your spirit blow through our lives so that we may be refreshed and reborn in christ Open our eyes to see the world as you see it, to value every human being, to love and serve each person whom you put in our path. We are here this morning, Lord, and we ask for a fresh portion of your grace. May your great love for us urge us on as we recommit to the way of Christ. Amen. And thanks be to God.